0: Hello and welcome to Pop-Up Submissions Live. Last-minute change to tell you about... I'm sorry, but our special guest, Ebony Lyon, has just had to cancel because of a family emergency. And we all send Ebony our best wishes. But the upside is the entirely wonderful Kate Salisbury has so kindly stepped up at the very last minute. Yeah. And in case you didn't know... Kate as a BBC person through and through. If you're in England's West Country, you will definitely have heard her, and her broadcast professionalism will constantly show me up for the rank imposter I am throughout the entire show. So that's something to look forward to. Alongside Kate, we have writer a cervic wit. We might even get some today if we ask him nicely. And much loved utopian Q Johnny. Yeah, so it's sci-fi today. I'm really looking forward to seeing how today's submissions deal with the Cronus and Classic Infundibulum. But before that, it's the last show of August, which means that someone will be crowned our monthly winner in about 60 minutes' time. Uh, with your help, of course. And I actually can't remember when the leaderboard looked this tight. This Yeah, it was two weeks ago that Pete Sherrard stormed to the top of our charts with his hugely impressive debut novel, The Longest Spring. But just look at how close the competition is. So, 76 is the number to hold in your head. If anyone beats that today, then they will be our monthly winner. Now, this has just come in to our mailbox. Ah... We love to know how pop-up submissions affects you as a writer. This is coming from Daniel. Hello, Daniel. I hope you're with us today. Uh, I just wanted to thank you. Thank you very much, Daniel, for the pop-up submissions critique. It was really in-depth, really useful, making me evaluate from the perspective of the reader. Yeah, that's what we try to do leading to make big changes in my manuscript. I look to resubmit at some point. You're really welcome to do that. Uh, once again, thank you for running this show. It really is helpful for writers like me who are new to the craft. That's our aim, especially when it's so difficult to examine your own work with fresh eyes. How wonderful. That's exactly what we, we try to do. Um... Please do, yeah, do send us your thoughts and reactions. We review your manuscripts. It's only fair that you should uh, review ours. And do remember to hammer that like button right this instant. Here we go. Submission number one. And a dog. (laughs) It's from Lana. It's sci-fi slash YA, hello Lana, and it's called P2, P2, I like saying that, P2, and the silver thread. Let me read you Lana's blurb. In 2032, humankind pulls back from the precipice of nuclear holocaust and climate chaos. The crisis, well, I'm pleased to hear that, yeah, the crisis of the great return is hailed as the world's biggest success, but is it? Now, three decades later, the people of Maltriffen are gripped in a strange madness noticed only by a teenage boy and a retired major. They follow clues to zero sector, oh, I like the sound of that, and stumble into battle and the surreal fallout of history's cracks sealed with a Band-Aid. I knew they came on useful for something, let me tell you about Lana. Um, I have an honours degree in English studies, says Lana. For 20 years, I run my own business in South Africa. We design workplace training and communication materials covering topics such as integrity and diversity, environmental health and safety, HIV, AIDS, inter alia." Hmm. Uh, Much of this material was for lower literacy learners, which allowed me... So, uh, literary agents were very at home, weren't they? Uh, Which allowed me to hone my thinking and writing skills and my passion to make a difference. In 2018, I moved to the UK to work as a short-term caregiver. This gives me the flexibility to pursue my writing obsession. Yeah, I recently published a poetry collection, Flotsam and Jetsam, A Half-Life of Poems, Pitu, and The Silver Thread was born of a lucid dream and evolved... To become a child of my soul. How interesting. I think a lot of books, a lot of great books actually, come as a result of a dream, don't they? And Einstein, think about Einstein too. Um, And I'm very much looking forward to this reading from Hannah.
1: Pitu and the Silver Thread by Lana. Read by Hannah. Prologue. 2032. Nature is pushed to the edge as humans ravage earth in the name of profit. Plagues and wars spread. Greed, fear and desperation grow and the world teeters on the brink of nuclear holocaust. Activists rally, but their voices are a floated whisper against the death cancer of corporate gluttony. A nuclear power plant is caught in the crossfire. Images of Chernobyl and Fukushima burgeon across global networks, igniting mutiny. Citizens stop paying taxes, threatening world economies. A showdown between the power mongers and the meek. The Green Age is born. With singularity of purpose as potent as the split atom itself, humanity pulls back from the precipice one second before too late. Delicate balance with nature is restored. The crisis of the great return is hailed as humankind's biggest success, surpassing even the fledgling colony on Mars. However, the details are quashed, remaining only in hushed accounts of fading memories. History's cracks are sealed with a band-aid. Pity of maltriven. Is born into the aftermath. Chapter 1, 2061. Pitu explodes from a dead sleep, soaked in sweat, heart pumping. He shakes his head. Specks of bright light snake off in a trail of colour into the dark. Was I dreaming? His heart settles to a steady beat. Moonlight splits off window panes onto Spartan furniture. A long desk, chairs, a row of beds where slow breaths rise and fall from sleeping silhouettes. Wind rattles a half open window and she pads across, creaking it open. The moon edges across the valley like a ticking clock hand. Roofs slouch over buildings, cloistering shapes and crickets chirrup in distant pulses. Foreboding presses Pitu's chest. What are the chances? He pulls jeans over jocks, throws on a windbreaker and rummages for his bag, ears pricked to the sound of matron's deep, even snores. He nudges the front door closed and wanders the streets, searching, throws his torch being down alleyways, listening the sky shifts to purple, and sparrows fuss awake. Under a streetlight, he runs a hand through his thick mop of hair. I'm imagining things. A delivery vehicle hums past, gliding above the cobbled street. Wind tugs at his ears, and he pulls his beanie lower. Go home. Clashes and thumps ricochet. Pitcher swings, searching shadows. Sweat pops on his forehead. Another clang sounds along the cobbles. Sonar squeals punch the air, followed by a tangled stream of bats swooping low, and he drops, clutching his torch. The bats disappear over the rooftops. His breath hitches as light shafts from under a door, bathing windows in green iridescence. The light sucks back, Door and windows meld into obscurity, and the building returns to the shadows. Fingers trebling, Pitsu wedges the torch under his armpit and reaches into his bag, feeling for notebook and pen. But smashing metal grates the senses and he whips around. A dustbin it thrums against the pavement. They bin rocks and topples, releasing a fortissimo of pungent smells. A dark figure crawls out. He moves closer. The arc of his beam pools on a girl in a cotton dress, hugging her knees. A vacuous smile spreads across her face and she mumbles nonsense, seeming oblivious to the sharp light in her eyes and a rat sniffing her bare feet. A flash of green catches Pitu's eye. He whips around. Just darkness. Hands shaking. He flicks through his notebook, jots in a hurried scrawl, and moves on. An amber sun hangs heavy against grey sky. Peter leans on his hiking stick and runs fingers along the contours of the silver pendant on his neck, scanning the valley. Maltriven's houses nestle, stacked like candies in a too small box. Toffee up against chocolate, against Turkish delight fused over hundreds of years by the heated exchange of kinship. Chocolate! His mouth waters. Tired sun rays streak the old sector's chimneys. Looming over these ancient districts, Triffin's modern skyscrapers rotate or curve up and twist, arching down as if to pick a candy from the box. Scowling, Putu smacks a stone with a stick and sends it flying all oh, looks so damn peaceful
0: thank you very much hannah thank you very much lana for kicking off the show i'll tell you what for a change just for a change we'll cut to the genius room in a moment why don't we see what johnny thinks
2: okay um first of all i like the title of
0: this um hitter and the,
2: and the silver thread so it seems to fit the genre very nicely um, there were some lovely descriptions in yours, quite writerly in, in terms of, of the prose. It was, there was an awful lot of very sort of vivid descriptions, f- sparrows fussing, fussing awake and things like that. And the kind of parallel she draws against the roofs all sort of jammed into um, something that's evolved over a period of time. Uh, you know, you can just picture all that. That there were certain things I, I would question starting with the sort of full-on um, information about yeah. you know, just setting up the story. Um, yeah. it, it, it can work, and, and sometimes it can't work. And I'm, I'm sort of I'm a little bit fifty-fifty on that whether it's whether it's worked in this instance. Yeah. Um, but but also then when we cut the chapter one, we're, we're we're into a waking up scene, and that's hard to pull off in terms of. Um, it, it gets used quite a lot, so I maybe would urge a little bit of caution on that. Maybe think about starting yeah. differently from that point of view. But yeah. I think it was beautifully written. there was an awful lot of there's an awful lot to like about. it, And I really like the blurb. I mean, the blurb promises a lot. And when we get to the stage where uh, towards the end of the the the, the, set, the sample we looked at there uh, with the girl in the dustbin. You know this is a, obviously some kind of um reference to this um madness or illness which is sort of going to take away the the world so yeah i mean very very good i, I enjoyed a lot of it I, I think there's much to commend in it but i think that those those bits yeah need to be careful
0: thank you very much johnny let's uh, just check out the genius room um annie uh, let's take it from the top actually annie says nice blurb maybe the title will be better as just the silver thread i like that suggestion a lot actually P2, for some reason, makes it very, very young for me as a title, but we'll find out what um, Kate thinks in a moment. And that is echoed by Rachel. Hello, Rachel. I agree with Annie. Perhaps drop P2. What did you think about that, Kate?
3: Uh, yes, I would agree with that, actually. I like The Silver Thread. I gave the title quite a high score because I liked it, but I, I think it would be even stronger without the pity. OK. Um, uh, yeah. It, in general, I thought, I mean, you can tell Lana's a poet because yes. the writing is beautiful. There's a real beautiful use of words. The sensory description is gorgeous. I mean, you it just kind of wraps you up in it. it, it it's great from that. And... You know the blurb and the prologue both really good summaries um but what i want is more character coming through uh, mm. in both so i think in the blurbs case it was right at the end that we actually sort of mentioned very briefly the the two main characters i think put them more up front um, mm. and make it more from their point of view the yeah. prologue i don't think you need the prologue get rid of it because i don't you know. always agree but on this occasion uh. actually lana particularly with the ya i think you can actually hook the reader in more strongly by the information that you give in the prologue and um, which is you know great for world building but i think you can hook us in more strongly by having that come in naturally early on okay as part of the protagonist's point of view. And on that note, what I would say that we really need is we need the camera, we need to reposition it a bit because at the minute, the whole thing is beautifully told from the point of view of the camera on a close-up mm. of Pitu. But what we actually want, for particularly for YA and also, I think, to engage us more in the story as any age reader, is we want the camera... Inside Pitu, we Hmm. want to be experiencing the world from Pitu's point of view, and at the minute we're not. We're just standing watching, Uh, and that's a little bit disengaging. um So I think you you would strengthen up a lot more if we if we really had more of what Pitu thinks. You you use that a couple of times, but that's what we want. The whole thing from inside Pitu. Um, so that's what I would suggest but yeah, lyrical writing, don't lose that the writing is beautiful um, but we want the, the internal feeling of that character so we can get a real sense of them and through them learn about what cataclysmic events happened and mm. and and how the world is different now and why that's changing everything. And perhaps mm. we could even strengthen up the business with the, the girl and the rat, which I thought was quite strong. That was pulling me in that little bit. I think we could have a bit more yeah. perhaps, you know, foreshadowing of this this madness that's referred to in the blurb, you know, mm. something happening there. But we, we didn't get any sense from Pitu of, of anything really, of, of what Pitu's reaction to that was. So I think that, that would all kind of help to really really draw us in much more to the story but I think the premise is really interesting and, and I think you've got a very promising um, sci-fi slash fantasy story there um, right. so and I just think a couple of tips that I've suggested and I think you know you, you'd really put us in
0: so uh, you've just been reviewed while you've been talking there, Kate. Annie has reviewed you, and she's found you to be... Uh, your feedback is brilliant, she says. Oh, how, that's just, how
3: kind. That's very nice. um, Lana's just said, I didn't want it to be YA, but the age thing, it's a quandary. Yes, it is a quandary, I agree. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's annoying, actually, this whole business of you know having to categorize by age because you know sometimes you get protagonist that that's a child but it's clearly not a children's story mm. um and likewise you can have a teenage protagonist or a 20 something protagonist and it's not ya so i is the totally language in your,
0: this is this does this dilemma. feel like ya to you the language
3: it actually felt a little older than YA for me. Um, yeah, me the the fact that you've you've used narrative present tense is very YA, but not. That doesn't have to be. I mean, in fact, the poetic way you write was actually reminding me a bit of, of, of writers like Helen Dunmore, who, um, you know, some sort of Margaret. Some of Margaret Atwood's have been written that way, where it's and it's very you almost a sort of dreamy quality to it, but it's rather beautiful. But it felt it felt more. Yeah, as John said, it felt like it was aged aimed at an older reader yeah, yeah which is I, I not a bad that, thing yeah. by any means but you know that's just how you angle it when you're you're trying to market it isn't it
0: yeah but i, I mean i think there's a discrepancy between the title the, the sort of perceived age range of the title and the the language that you're yeah. using mm. um i just want to mention if few i've got such great feedback from the genius room i mean they they just hit the ground running it's just extraordinary um annie i think it was said, not the best place to start a number of the people said exactly what our, our two special guests have said about the, the prologue. Azuka uh, says, because beginning this prologue could be any futuristic dystopia stories. And Annie says this reads like an info dump. That's exactly what it is. I've got a suggestion. <laughs> Here's an idea here for you. <laughs> Here's hey. an idea for you. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like that? Just you, awesome. like <laughs> you did like it. It's a little over the top, isn't it? <laughs> I have one of those next time I'm on Agent Pete. No, because I'm the host. You're just, you're just a professional broadcaster. Find <laughs> the amateur, That's I can awesome. do what I want. Uh, um, so this is it, all right? This is, and this is this place to <laughs> anybody, really, who feels they've got to do a prologue. If you've you know, if you've got to do a prologue, just go outside until the urge passes, really. But if you really have to, if you've got to get... A lot of you've got to dump a lot of info, right? If you've got to do that. There is an easy way to do it and you see professional writers doing this all the time and that is doing news clipping. To a, a, a news cutting, not more than a page or so. Make it as, as realistic as you can. If you know if you're writing something set in the 1930s, make it a clipping from you know the Times of London, as Americans like to call it, from 1931. Exactly the right language. Maybe even you know use the same typeface. You can dump a lot of info like that if you really have to. But on the whole, I prefer you wouldn't actually, because um, as other people in the genius room say, just drip feed it in during the, you know, during the uh, the manuscript. Go, go on. That was one was, at, the, was like a film. Oh. Go on. Oh no, I,
3: I was just going to say, say you, I will like <laughs> tell you. <laughs> we're trying to no Okay, like,
2: oh, oh, Richard. Oh, go, guys, Johnny. Go, Johnny. up. <laughs> okay. Go, Johnny. Go, go, go. Right. No, all it was that one. You could virtually see it scrolling up the screens. You know, Star Wars style. Um, it, it was that kind of prologue, which is very yeah. factual, which you yeah. know works for films quite well. Yeah. Kate.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I was just about to say that somebody who writes a, a very good prologue actually is Emma Robinson, who's one of our regular yes. guests. But She pretty and, much and always puts one a prologue at the often. beginning. Yeah, yeah 150,000 yeah, books sold, but yeah, she yes. writes a good
0: prologue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, oh, wow, it's so hard just to pick on one or two. Great. Glenn says, may, maybe start with cha- chapter one. Um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, RG, uh, as he said, something earlier, actually. I just want to mention this because I think it's it's significant. That we, you know, as writers, we are supposed to be sen- sensitive people. Uh, many deaf people and disabilities activists find it offensive when the word deaf is used to mean not listening and ignoring. Okay, so I think it's, it's worth remembering that. Um, need to start with P2 straight away, says James... Um, waking up from sleep, people are questioning whether that's a good way to start if we're talking about cliche perhaps, Annie, about halfway through I'm waiting for something to happen, and Rachel again who always gives great feedback which, uh, we need more from Rachel you could even start with him outside, forget the breathing bodies and the beds, he's been out for some reason, naughty boy out at night when he should be in bed all this observation could start then and you see that's what the genius room do They give them enough time, they will rewrite your manuscript And turn it into a bestseller. Isn't that why they're geniuses? That's amazing. Right. Thank you very much. Let's have a look at the numbers. Has everyone voted? Kate has voted. Johnny, I'm sure Johnny has voted. Yeah, he has. So let's see what the numbers are looking like. A very, very good 65, actually. It's not threatening um, our uh, potential monthly winner, actually, Pete Sherrod, who's 76. But it's a very, very good score. Let's see what's next. Here we go, submission number two. Uh, just time to do the uh, washing up before we start that. Oh no, it was not. Someone's doing the washing up, it's not me. Um, Sci fi, obviously, it's Jonathan Moon. And here's an arresting title for you Please Read Before Dying. Do you like that? I think it's quite arresting. This is Jonathan's blurb. Graham, a reclusive businessman, freezes himself and awakes in a 23rd century green utopia. I've got a friend who, who paid to have his, his head frozen years ago. I don't know why. I don't know how that's going to work out. He's still alive. Isn't that extraordinary? He expects to be welcomed with open arms and reunited with his fortune, but instead he's a prisoner, paying off a carbon debt from his first life. Graham starts to find joy in the simplicity of monotonous labor and falls in love with fellow prisoner Mish. When she gambles years of her life sentence to help him reclaim his wealth, he backfires and Graham must abandon his new life for a chance to save her. Oh, it's a romance. It's great. This is about Jonathan. I'm quite new to creative writing, having hated in school due to undiagnosed dyslexia. How many people are like that, really? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's dreadful, isn't it? However, I'm overcoming my challenges, and last year I won a Green Stories writing competition via BBC Writers' Room. Well done. Fabulous. And was nominated for Best Screenplay at uh, the British Horror Film Festival. That's incredibly good. For work I'm an experienced designer. Experienced designer? Wonder what that is. What does that do? Um I hope that here I've designed the experience. <laughs> I've quote reading a decent novel. And I'm excited to hear what you think. And I'm gonna be excited to hear this reading from Emily.
4: Please read Before Dying by Jonathan. Read by Emily. Gray fidgeted in an office chair, unaware he would be dead in seven hours. Of course, very few are ever aware of their impending death. Although he was a chronic fidgeter, these particular fidgets were the kind that he only performed when feeling particularly frustrated at work. For example, when a dry and dragging meeting like this one could have easily been an email. It was late afternoon and the shadows from the pearly blinds stretched across the conference room table, whilst time seemed to slow to within an inch of Grey, questioning whether someone was messing around with the cosmic playback rate. His colleagues droned on about less than nothing, whilst Grey nodded at the appropriate moments and checked his watch, which seemed to drum in moments like this, eager to report the end of the hour. There was another meeting, a far more interesting and important meeting, Begging for Gray's attention. One that didn't seek to suck out his energy through bureaucracy and office politics, and it was a mere hour away. Gray's financial advisor, and there he think it, friend, had called him in to discuss a creative solution for a challenge that Gray had lost sleep over. In the early 21st century, where Gray was currently sitting, laws had started to emerge regarding the control you could have over your assets from beyond the grave. Only a decade earlier, the Perpetuities and Accumulations Act of 2009 had set out, for the first time, what rights you had to retain and influence your wealth post-mortem. To do so, you would need to rely on a chain of honour, family members and friends, a corporate entity, or perhaps some kind of cult. The Act was designed to stop people from taking assets out of the economy when they died, like the pharaohs who buried themselves with vast wealth and subsequently almost always had the tombs raided. And for Grey, tomb raiding was a very modern issue, as he had planned for reanimation after death in very certain terms. Gray's attention was momentarily needed again in his meeting, and he confirmed that his plan for the next quarter was drafted and readily available on the shared drive, before shifting his gaze to Cat's scalp. Her roots were coming in. Little sprouts of silver were blooming faster than she could colour them with her usual coppery golden hair dye. Grey gritted his teeth a little. Life was about presentation and planning, after all. His dad had carefully hammered that point into him from childhood. They were a picture-perfect family, with the portraits to prove it. The family home featured hallways that documented Grey's evolution from coiffed infant to gangly adolescent in cricket whites, to Oxford graduate donning tailored suits and brogues. Each picture could be useful evidence, if ever needed, to prove the family's exceptional performance in life. Grey groomed himself with the same stony control he practised in all aspects of his life and looked at him now, 33 years old and not a misplaced hair in sight. To his right, Matthew clicked his clicky pen against his front teeth. The notepad in front of him was splattered with ink smears and smudges, which no doubt could be found reflected on the edge of his palms. He had this daft habit of brushing his hand across the page every time he scrawled down a note, as if in the millisecond that his pen had left the paper, a layer of dust had settled which needed to be dealt with. Handwriting? Messy. Grey noted that Matthew had misspelt account and it took everything to stop himself rolling his eyes. Spelling? Atrocious. Grey wanted to reach over like a schoolteacher with a red pen, And draw a spiky F on Matthew's page.
0: Sorry. I was miles away just then, actually. I was thinking about what I'm going to say, uh, so I did. I failed to pick up my cue, which again is proof that I'm, I'm not professional on this. I just imagine. <laughs> so, I'm not just an agent. That's what the genius room are doing. Um, look, I mean, they're on fire today. I mean, just they they go from absolutely friggin' amazing to completely uh, off the scale, actually. Um, so let's start with a good blurb. Annie Blurb good stakes and character on a nice bite size so I, I expect maybe good marks um, for the blurb from the genius room um, as it moves on um, I'll want him to start at the freezing yeah I do too I, I want to I know what it's like I want to know what my friends in for. <laughs> And he says, we live in the unfortunate world where Fifty Shades exists. Yes, we do. I'd like to live in the opt universe. <laughs> and with a businessman called Grey. That's where my mind goes, and that's exactly where every publisher's mind is going to go to. As we move in, Azuka says, started strong, but now dragging. Mm, a bit early in the story for legal is, as RJ. Rachel says, reminds me sort of, the Celts. How in- I didn't know this, you see. How interesting. Who could carry their debts? <laughs> into their next mm-hmm. life. How fascinating. Losing interest now. as so any Glenn board now as they were moving through? Uh, jumping around from meeting two to family to meeting and I fell off and Rachel Sells needs to cut to the chase. Yeah, and Andy says this is interesting because I was actually wondering whether the, there was anything comparable. Andy says there's a Philip K. Dick story with a similar setup to this. I'm not sure a dull office meeting is quite exciting enough to start. Though I, I'd skip through it quickly. Yeah, first reactions, Kate.
1: Yeah,
3: 100% agree with that. Um, thought the title's great. Um, I thought the blurb was excellent. Actually, character centred. Um, I really like the sort of Rip Van Winkle slash romance premise I think that's mm. terrific um, mm. I don't care if it's been done before do it again do it your way I'm all do for that yeah. so yeah count, count me in that's great Um, I there's some great turns of phrase in there I like the cosmic playback rate uh, that came in quite early on for example but yes I agree with the points that people are making about is a boring office meeting the place to start because I started to slip my focus at that point as well there are a few words and phrases that jumped out at me that cut through that a bit so things like beyond the grave and cult and reanimation after death you know these things coming through sort of brought me slightly out out of the the meeting, which was a good thing. I also Mm. thought that there were some very deft details and and nice little thumbnail sketches of characters, including the protagonist's own. We did get a sense of voice and what the protagonist's into, but perhaps we could put them in a slightly different setting. Or what you could do is carry on with what you did so well, actually, in the first sentence. We had that great first sentence. which basically said you know this that and the other and then seven hours later is going to be dead and it's like wow yes and then then we go into the meeting but what you could do to kind if you really need to start with the meeting because it's integral to the to the rest of the the story then i would keep referring back to that so in in perhaps a, a rueful way um if you've ever read Kate Atkinson's behind the scenes at the museum, that starts in a similar way. It mentions, you know, this child playing and says, you know, what a shame she didn't, didn't live very long. <laughs> and then kind of re- mentions that every so often, but with, with, but in a way that's not, you know, it's darkly comic, you know, the dark humour of the matter of factness of that. You could perhaps use that as a technique um, every so often, you know, the, the clicky pen, of course, that sort of irritation wouldn't count in a few hours' time. Time, but he wasn't to know that. You know, you could you could throw in things like that and, and make that whole meeting idea more interesting to the reader. Yeah. So to so, um and i think just too, too many details really with great details but i just think too many of them at that point we, we needed a, i think a bit more sense of where this was going which you gave us in the first line and then sort of dropped off a bit so more of that please but i've given it high marks because i think it's really really promising this
0: you've given it very high marks kate i just want to double check that actually so for title you've given it a five for blurb you've given it five for cry you've given it four yeah. for bang you've given it five because That's, I think it's correct. a really
3: good premise on I think mean, it's a very commercial premise, that. Uh, I can see that being a great film, all that kind of things that, you know, publishers and agents like, and they, they can see the kind of pound or dollar be. signs flashing up. But I be. think that... It, I, I, I thought the craft was excellent but it was the storytelling aspect of the craft that kind of lost mm. that one point off the top for me I uh, which was that we engagement. just got a bit bogged yeah we got a bit bogged down in that meeting didn't we but we did really a bit, promising yes. I would say yes. Though, so uh, well, well done Jonathan
0: fantastic. well yeah I mean you're pressing all the right buttons there for Kate definitely Jonathan let's see what um, Johnny thinks though
2: yeah, I'd written here, brilliant first line, got me right in. And then then I proceeded to see my past life unfold before my eyes, because I've been in those bloody meetings. <laughs> I've spent so many times listening to drivel being spoke by people. I've actually been in meetings where people have said, I'm passionate about automatic doors and I thought <laughs> a line. the long winter nights must fly by to which you said get really a life
0: yeah. so
2: yeah, yeah so I mean you know so the tedium of that was really well um, rendered I thought
0: but do we need that right uh, up front uh, in the first you know the first few no, pages no I don't think we
2: do that's what I was yeah. going to, go on to say I, and yeah. I think we don't need quite so much of it either you know we were through the whole first page and we were still in the meeting uh, but I, I thought the plot idea was a great idea as well, this idea of cryogenically freezing yourself to come back and uh, being lauded as a yeah. kind of returning hero, only, only to find yourself in deep trouble, uh, it was, was a great thing as well. I um, thought it was really well written, um, You know, good prose, moved along nicely uh, from that point of view. But yeah, I think, I think we were in the meeting too much, I think we needed to yeah. dispense with quite so much meeting.
0: Are we talking Pretty about? Models. Are we talking about maybe a genre change Because uh, Jonathan has put it as sci-fi. Are we talking about sort of romance sci-fi? Do you think?
2: Might be from the blue, but it's hard to say until it unfolds a little bit more. But I guess so.
0: Okay.
3: Oh, I don't know. These sort of subdivisions and overlappings of, mm, Exactly.
0: Um, yeah.
3: Uh, I tell you why uh, it's important yeah, because when it, you, it affects. When you try and do that?
0: It affects actually who the agent sends it to. You know, if this yeah. goes to a hard sci-fi yeah. editor, they sort of go, so I don't know, it's more, more rom- romance. Yeah, if, it, if, if there's a yeah. romance bias, then it's a completely different market and different people you send it to.
3: Yeah, I think you have to decide whether it's a sci-fi slash fantasy with a romantic plot or whether it's
0: a romance set in the future you know you yes. kind of code one way or the other don't you yes exactly do i uh, come back to the genius stream? Pamela of just says interesting writers including me underestimate how long 750 words are when read what seemed like a short scene is is in perspective read and record what a good idea read and record your first seven first 750 words 15 seconds is a long time on air don't i know it um and to a reader and lex says the writing voice uh could use some strengthening but i was hooked by the premise just like kate was i'm i'm intrigued by the premise but the execution for me is not is not um you know coming through and basically you know uh, we are we're somewhat hard-nosed as a species uh agents are we we can get very excited by by the idea but you've got to, you've got to, you've got to pull through. You've, you've got to put those words on the page. That's really what people will buy. And I, you know, something that I just came across yesterday. It's so strange this, but I'm going to, I'm going to mention this quote. I'm not going to use that um, that um, intro again, uh, unless you want me to. But oh, go <laughs> on. all right then, I will. Thanks. For it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all,
0: right. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> this is not actually me. <laughs> I found it. I found this yesterday, right and I was I was just uh, I won't explain why because it's too it's too complicated. Uh, I was actually looking up some stuff about Isaac Basceevi singer, one of the greatest writers of the twentieth century, uh, amazing writer, actually. If you ever come across any Isaac Bashevis singer books, just buy them and see how he does it. And he said this, he said this, actually, I think being interviewed by someone I used to employ I, as a copywriter, and he said, I'm reading direct from his words. Never begin a story until you are convinced that you are the only person who can write it. I think that's that's a very profound quote. Never begin a story until you're convinced that you are the only person who can write it. And then, I think, Jonathan, your passion is probably going to come shining through at that particular moment. OK, that's great. Let's look at the numbers. Thank you very much. I'm sure it's going to be high. It is, my goodness! Mm. A hair's breadth away, Jonathan, from usurping Pete Sherrard, who's got 76, and you've only got 75. It's going to be one of those shows, isn't it? Mm. And here we go. Submission number three. How many are you going to get, Kashif? I wonder, because she fought science fiction slash space opera oh i always like novels in which people sing um hope and death <laughs> wanted in the ring verse is that anything to do with amazon ring i don't know we'll find out and hi hi that's kashif isn't it hey very good to have you along with us live kashif Do interject. Say what you want. Explain what you want. Accuse people of anything. We don't care. This is your blurb. A warrior hunted by empires. A princess stalked by death. Once united, the entire galaxy becomes their enemy. Ooh, big canvas like that. Mia Shanti. That's a great name for a protagonist. Mia Shanti, a princess gifted with the unique ability to hear the hearts of others has been hidden away in hopes of one day changing the fate of creation. Happy Horvath. Not sure... (laughs) I like that. <laughs> happy Horvac. What does that make me think? Makes I makes me think, I don't know, 1920s it's prohibition sort of gangster. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, know. I think I changed that. Happy Horvac. I love Mir Shanti. I'm not so sure about Happy. A galactic adventurer hopes to find a cure for the issues plaguing him. He's got issues. While searching the galaxy, he stumbles across Mir Shanti and realizes he's found a remedy to cure more than just his troubles. All right. Are you interested? Yeah, I'm interested. This is Kashif as a lifelong student of action, science fiction and supernatural stories. I've taken the last few years to hone my storytelling skills. In this time, I've completed two novels, several short stories, and become the editor-in-chief of an independent comic boom company. Very good, so you, you know the area you're writing in intimately. My influences are eclectic, and as a librarian, I'm, I, I'm constantly able to indulge in a variety of different genres, and I attempt to use various story elements to uh, convey a layered story. As a proud Londoner with Caribbean roots, although my story is set in a donut-shaped universe, getting my head around that, okay, I like that. A bit like Halo in a way, actually, maybe, is it? I don't know, tell me about that. Um, You will find sun rays and banter throughout this expedition through space. That's lovely, actually. And possibly what's even lovelier, definitely lovelier, is this reading from Barbara.
5: Hope and Death Wanted in the Ringverse by Kashif Vaughn, read by Barbara. The Library Kid Luff The burning has faded, it's not all the way gone and I can still hear them screaming but at least the pain has finally passed. I'm starting to think my secret is no longer a secret but also, maybe, my secret doesn't matter. Run evacuate Man the anti landing cannons have you seen my Ah There's something else going on, something the adults keep whispering about. They're trying to hide it from me, but they should know better, especially Auntie Violet. She should know that I can hear every terrifying thing. I'm trying my best to stick close to them. Auntie Violet and Damien X. They're walking ahead of me swiftly. There are so many twists and turns, that if I'm not careful, I could easily become lost in the dark, mazy layout of these tunnels. The dust underfoot is so thick that it completely blankets the floor. Neither the gum-itching sound of dirt scratching against the stone, nor the unexplained hurrying to an unknown destination, are enough to distract me from worrying, or the chorus of quiet screams only I can hear. Even if Auntie knew I ate all the fritters, why would she act like this? Uncle X did spot me, as always, maybe he snitched, no he wouldn't, maybe, but why would he tell this time? Damien X is one of my two only friends, he's not as friendly as Auntie Violet, but he usually keeps my little food hall adventure secret in exchange for a sweet pearberry fritter, yet when I offered he refused to remove his helmet, telling me to keep my haul to myself, muttering something about how I'll need them, it was strange and cold. And now that I think about it, the other warriors didn't remove their helmets the entire journey here. As we quickly pass through the underground path, dust and earth rain down over us whenever the walls and ceilings shake. The vibrations are chaotically rhythmic, as if a raving herd of offbeat giants are mosh-pitting across the surface. Despite the distance between us and whatever is happening up above, my nerves cannot settle the constant barrage of muffled screams playing on the repeat in the back of my skull makes sure of it. What's going on up there? Why are we skulking around these tunnels? Aren't we the warlock empire? Aren't we the strongest in the universe? I want to shout at them. Instead I follow quietly and swallow the fear bubbling up from my gut. It wants to leap up into my brain, take hold of my body and tackle auntie to the ground. But I cannot control it because warlocks fear nothing. And proof of that, walks ahead of me. Auntie Violet and Damien X, the two best warriors in the whole warlock empire, are never afraid. They didn't even flinch when the explosion started. When we landed on the emerald planet called Vluff, I thought we were here for a holiday. The people were ultra friendly and the crystal buildings sparkled miraculously, creating a rainbow of light to stream across the brilliant white sky, some of the colours I've never seen before. Sadly, despite the charm of begging, we didn't stop to chat or explore or even taste any of those sweet-smelling puddings. The streets were filled with constant laughter and music until we entered the abandoned stone temple and went down the hidden stairs within. We were already rushing when the disturbing explosions and dreadful screams began. We hadn't descended even ten steps when it hit me. The raging fire of war. It felt as if it were happening inside my chest, the desperate hearts of the warlock people, my people burning to nothing. An indescribable feeling of dread fell over me. It's something I'll remember forever, and something I hope to never feel again. My legs froze, taken hostage by the horrific sensation of a planet's worth of dreams turning to ash in unison. With a soft yet firm hand, Auntie Violet pulled me down the long, twisting stairwell. The explosions gradually hushed as we descended, and by the time we reached the bottom of the steps, the horrific sounds had been reduced to nerve-wracking thuds.
0: Fantastic reading, Barbara. Thank you very much for that. And Barbara is live with us in the genius room, because she's also a genius. Um, And she actually says, I enjoyed reading this. And I think you can tell I mean, you can tell, can't you? Uh, let's just see. Empires and Princess, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, i just picking that up a random O.G. says, having Empires and Princess in opening line does say Star Wars. Not necessarily a good thing, I know. I think I'd, I'd move away from that, because it's not, it's not Star Wars. And in fact, one of the things I love about this, I'm, uh, I, I can't contain my enthusiasm, is that it's not about saving the fate of the universe. It's actually, he's got issues i think that's rather sweet actually i like that a lot um, let's see let's see what kate thinks
3: yeah i think it's really promising that um what really jumped out at me was the energy in there yes. actually there's there loads of energy which was great um hope and death wanted in the Ringverse. verse thought that was a perfectly decent title for sci-fi um yeah, that, that was fine. Kashif, good one. Uh, the blurb wasn't bad at all. I would tweak the end, though, because I felt that it became a little bit generic just in the last line or so, and I felt like I, I wanted to know a little bit more about the specific, interesting USP of, of what it was that they needed to do. Um, but otherwise, you know, pretty pretty decent blurb on the whole. Um, so good stuff. Um, I think, w- as I, I said, the energy was great, and there were some... There were some great fun kind of phrases like mosh pitting, which I've never heard <laughs> used as an adjective before yeah, but I, okay. I got what you mean and it tied in nicely with the mention of sort of raving giants or whatever it was, um, offbeat and mosh pitting, so I, that was that was nice use of language that I, I appreciated um, I think the thing that I would say is that with all the energy, it just felt a little bit disjointed to me a little mm-hmm. bit like when you flick between radio channels and you hear a sudden burst of something and then you hear something else that's a different mood and then you hear something else so it just felt like you could just work on pulling it all together a bit more so that we get a real strong sense Mm. of the voice particularly the protagonist's voice Mm -hmm. um that's the main thing i wanted and i I tell you what i would really suggest if you haven't read them already i'm just working my way through the expanse series by james a Corey, which is actually two authors working together and they are excellent it's a big sweeping epic sci-fi saga uh, and it's like full of massive high stakes adventures and stuff Mm. but what I really like about it and what I think all writers can learn from but particularly if you're writing sci-fi and you want to engage the reader so that you really anchor them into this strange Mm. unusual alien world that you're creating for them is how to get the sense of the characters because the, the James A. Corey duo are really good at that very vividly drawn characters who just f- jump off the page at you and that might be the key to just holding together all the different things that you're describing in yeah. this opening um, yeah. but you know action-packed lots of stuff there to explore but i think mm. pull it all together
0: yeah, I, I I think we're all saying the same thing on that. I've, I write down it needs good edits actually, a good edit, actually, because a lot of unscrambling. But there's real attack. There's attack. There's real energy there, which we don't often get. And I, I love that. And there's a voice coming through as well, which the, the genius room have also noted. And again, you know, you've got a voice, then you can build on that. That's you can take that to the bank. What do you think, Johnny?
2: Yeah, I agree with quite a lot of the stuff that's been said. I've written a bit manic. I find it a bit manic, and I, I was confused as to where we possibly were. I know we were in bluff um, but we didn't get an awful lot of details about it and, and I couldn't work out, it seemed to sort of you know change between being sort of quite um you know pokey and punchy and aggressively and then there was sort of lots of whimsy in it as well about his Mm. auntie and his uncle and and you know the bits about food and stuff like that yeah so it kind of it it threw me a little bit i I thought it was i thought there was really good voice in it actually um and and i thought you know the the whimsy when it came was good Uh, we got through the first page and then we we sort of shifted from present tense into the past tense which which is okay but but that Mm. jumped me out as well the whole Mm. the whole second the whole second section was past tense, but um, yeah, I was confused. I, I don't really get a sense of, of, of the characters at this stage, um, huh. and, and that, and, and what the, what their purpose was. But I got all the spikiness off it, and and, and I like that
0: yeah yeah absolutely. so I've gone for um three stars out of five for the commercial potential because i th- I think I think you're probably going to get there, but I don't see that at the moment um but I, I think you know what you're doing actually because I think you know what you're doing, and maybe you just need to workshop in something like that and you know get into the workshops inside you on or maybe even come to a huddle or two. And uh we'll sort you out. Let's look at the, the numbers. If we've all voted, I think we have. Ah uh, you got a sixty five two. It's it's a pretty high scoring show actually. Um I think there's a lot of potential in that chief, actually. I'd be very interested to see where you go next with that. Um move it but do move it away from Star Wars. We just don't want that. No one wants that, no one wants the lawsuits. And um <laughs> We all want more donuts, and Andy, Andy asks, jam donuts or not? And that's that's the important question. Yeah, go on.
2: big positive i like the donut shaped universe
0: i forgot to
2: say that was good yeah yeah i, <laughs> I like the idea of so. the universe being shaped like a donut it's sort of it's it's shades of pratchett almost some oh, totally
0: on. yes actually there's there is a fair amount of pratchett dna in that isn't there yeah don't lose the energy great advice from barbara who of course saw that manuscript slightly differently to everybody else because she was the writer let's see the numbers so far halfway through now Oh, look at those scores, 65, 60, they're all scores to be proud of. With a, a hair's breadth, Jonathan. You must be so frustrated. Oh, never mind. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Let's see how it's going to crumble for our next author. And it's called The Social Preview the social previews from matthew hello matthew are you with us today if so stand up and declare yourself commercial fiction parentheses with with hint just the merest soup song of sci-fi this is matthew's blurb for some gossip is an incurable itch but what if you could access social media from the future posts about drama yet to occur Oh yes, think about all the money you can make on the stock market. And I think, yeah, hey, you are with this. That's fantastic. Good to have you along, Matthew. Lewis mysteriously can do just that. A phenomenon he cannot grasp before long. The revelations are concerning. Can he ignore someone's future suicide? Or his closest friend's hidden domestic abuse? In a thrilling, dilemma-ridden story self price is always the uh, most sincere. With a reluctant hero, he finds ways to buy back his conscience. He wants lost. His conscience. His conscience. Do you mean his conscience? I think you mean his conscience. He wants lost. I think. I don't know. Preview is Back to the Future meets uh, Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) I like (laughs) half of that. I'm not going to tell you which half. Uh, Let's tell you everybody about you, Matthew. Born in Northern Ireland, raised with my childhood in England, and then all my adult life in Scotland. I have a little bit of everything in me. You're a mongrel. That's very good background for a writer, actually. I graduated from Stirling University with an honours degree in criminology and a master's degree in criminal research. I originally trained as a teacher. However, I've been on the front line in the emergency services now for almost 10 years. Again, I mean... Well done for you, but what, what great experience uh, for a writer, yeah. And I squeeze my writing where I can. My passion is finding interesting tales for all ages, a fresh hook that has not been done before. Mm. I self-published my first book, Innies, Glummies and Beanies, A Tale of Baradone in 2020. I like that. Um, a YA fantasy. I was extremely happy when it was very well received and reviewed by readers, as you should be. And I think you're going to be extremely happy too with this reading from Jeff.
6: the social preview by matthew read by Jeff. chapter one breaking news what's the acceptable number of times you're allowed to pimp out your dead grandma asked lewis in his office excuse me said robin surprised on twitter how many times can you post about your grand's death before it's cringeworthy lewis coldly referred to his friend's regular anniversary post he's just letting everyone know he misses her said robin No, that's what the first post does. By the ninth anniversary, you're just pimping her out to see how many likes you get. Shameless attention-seeking. Social media hurt Lewis in a fashion he could not describe. He failed to comprehend the logic behind sharing public messages about private things. Robin merely smiled back. A social media junkie, she failed to share Lewis's disdain for the thing. They had been close friends since teenagers, but nothing more. A previous kiss they labelled as incestuous like settled out long ago. Look, handsome chap, we can discuss the philosophical ramifications of the dead grandma at a different time and place, preferably never and nowhere, said Robin. I'm just here to remind you that we're still on for dinner tonight. Yes? Lewis momentarily lost concentration. He sat and rubbed the Twitter app logo on his screen with his thumb. He hated it. Every fibre in his body loathed its existence because of what it did to him. But it was a tick. A compulsion to look through it with fear. He sat plain-faced. But it was merely a masquerade to hide the gush of emotion that often flooded back at inconvenient times. It was a mask, well-worn now, a deception to hide the recent memories that tormented him. Robin managed to snap him out of it. They were now dodging work in Lewis's office. Discussion of bugbears was always a plenty when they got it up, as it amused them endlessly. The offices in Edinburgh's Whitbuds Bank had the stamping of laptop keys and churning photocopiers. The next must-watch Netflix series often echoed. A career within the company was coveted as the greasy pole could be climbed if one was so devilishly inclined. About time you get back, isn't it? said Lewis. Anyway, what was for your interruption today? Hell finally grants you a day's leave? Loosefoot on a tea break, was he? Give my regards. Darkness was the cornerstone of their friendship. Robin sat in front of Lewis's desk with her heels up, chiselling ugly grooves into the edge. She usually intruded on his work with full heartiness emitting from her every move. A contrast to Lewis's strict, routine field life. Dinner! Me and you, remember? But I'm thinking of setting you up. Your love life needs a crank. It may help you to get over what happened all those months ago, said Robin. It wasn't your fault, love. Lewis's mask tightened a little further, unable to show a hint of emotion. The dreaded fear of his office masculinity even crumbling just a little... Reinforced his need to build a mental brick wall between him and his friends. He merely tutted at Robin. Romance was her answer to everything, even though his dark hair and clean-shaven face made for a handsome appearance if he ever put in the effort. To date, you know, you'd be less boring and more attractive if you went back on Facebook and posted a picture or something. Said Robin, "Your love life is more depressing than watching Titanic while sat in an STI clinic." Lewis merely moaned. Your semi OCD behaviour doesn't exactly rush with aphrodisiac qualities, does it? She continued. Your wee man is going to go past his sell by date and you won't even know it. Seldom did she ever force a more expelled from her mouth, but purposefully so. Wickedly subtle, and don't do that, said Lewis. Do what? Don't speak about my penis as if it's not in the room. It's not food packaging with storage instructions, said Lewis. You store it in a cool, dry place, do you not? Well, recently you have been anyway, said Robin. Touche! Honestly, we're going to have to shine a bat signal on your crutch at this rate. You're going to turn into a spinster, sighed Robin with a patronising pat on the head.
0: Thank you very much, Jeff. Great reading. Let's take it from the top, guys, shall we? Um, Sarah, fantastic premise. Great blurb. RG says, okay, blurb, needs shortening and tidying up, make it more punchy. would work better than telling us it's thrilling. Yeah, one or two people have mentioned that, including myself. Um, Izuku, uh, uh, yeah, Annie also is a great premise. Maybe include a little something like who Lewis is instead of comps. That's comparatives. Izuku says, it doesn't seem quite right to call it your own th- story really thrilling. Yeah. Original story idea, says James. And I think we're all going along with that. Glenn, yeah, I love the blurb. I'm not sure about the title. We'll discuss that in a moment. Um, James, not excited about the title andy now wow he says that's an opening first sentence i love the first line And he says very good point always good points Manny. the only issues with writing about social media is that these sites may no longer be in use in a few years time and um archie says yeah any a story about myspace or doobie do would seem so dated now indeed it would (laughs) wouldn't it um, not convinced by the dialogue. Uh, Annie, nice voice from Matthew. Might not be the right place to start. I've written that down too. In fact, I suspect Matthew, you're kind of writing yourself into into this, but I could be wrong. What do you think, Johnny?
2: I really enjoyed this uh, I think that was we've had a couple of good opening lines tonight but that was a belter for me I just thought it was absolutely fantastic and I'd, I if I had had some tea I'd have snorted it over my computer at this particular point <laughs> because I thought it was a lovely opening line um, I think there was great voice coming through in the writing as well like, you know I think yeah. the way it was drafted was great and, and I like the relationship between uh, Lewis and Robin was it um, I thought it was great some great dialogue or some very very funny stuff um, and the overall prim- premise of being able to sort of uh, foretell what's going to happen on mm. social media posts is, is great as well. Yeah. I, I do. I think. It's, I think. It's, I think it's a valid point. I suppose. Um, social media moves on, and Twitter's mentioned. Twitter's not the force it once mm. was. I guess. So that that maybe speaks to what people were saying in the genius room. You know what's going to be the thing, what's going to be on vogue five years hence. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, but I thought. You know, I, I enjoyed this. I laughed out loud on three or four occasions. And you know. And, and that's my charm as they say in America. I like humorous writing, and I find this very humorous. Can I just ask you, and um, know, you let's like let's get Kate know.
0: involved in this as well, let's just focus on the title, because it's, it's caused some some discussion in the genius room. The social preview, that kind of alludes back to, I don't know, it ten years ago, now, is was at the social network, or even, even longer ago. Mm. Um, is that a great title or not? Bit unknown
2: <laughs> for me as well, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I yeah,
3: can it. Sorry, it didn't do anything for me, the title. Sorry, yeah, uh,
2: okay I think, 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 <laughs> think we do I think it would work as a you know, just as, as a, a placeholder until you come up with something better. I think it deserves a. I think it deserves a better title than that, really. Though.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah. Kate
3: yeah agree with all of that brilliant premise absolutely love it um again remind me a little bit of the both die at the end where the idea is that on the day you die you get a little notification telling you <laughs> um, which is a really simple idea but just creates a whole you know interesting world to, to yeah. cite a story um, and this had that sort of feeling about it that idea really simple I, i'll tell you a way that you can avoid the problems of things like myspace and all that disappearing social media is create a social media type site but don't call it social media give it a made up specific name and a brief Mm -hmm. mention of how it works and and a sense of you know this is what everybody is using everybody's always updating every second and when you've got a bit of that anyway but make it up invent it so that it won't date it's it's just this particular thing that's linked to your particular story Um, and i think that way you'll get round the problem of of you know social media as a concept you know getting a bit blurred as as, as things change um over time but yeah great i, I put blurb um good premise not bad don't mention the zook. i've written really don't i um, Cut that out. Last yeah, yeah, line. I agree, and I think a different way of saying
0: that.
3: Best not to. Um, yeah. First sentence, very, very good. Grab me straight away. But I've just written, and I think everybody was mentioning this. Does the story start here? Because I'm mm. not sure it does. As John said, the conversation that you've written, the dialogue's very witty, quite funny in places. Um, but is that where the story's starting? Mm. I'm not sure it is. It doesn't feel like it is, and. Um, The the best advice I've ever heard is, you know, where do you start your your novel? How do you start it? It's start where the story starts. And that's That's... only something you can know. So think carefully. Does the story start? Are the things that are happening now what gets things going and i don't mean put the inciting incident in the first paragraph no but you need to kind of draw back a, just a just a shade or do a moment or do before that inciting in, in, incident and put us there and, and get that story moving and Fantastic. then we can always get mm. to know the yeah. characters with their fun di- witticisms and their snappy dialogue as we yes. go on
0: Let me ask you both, actually, because we're looking ahead here and uh, there are suggestions. Of course, Pablo Joe says that there's some science behind how he can know these things. It's a modern social media innovation that he picks up on his gold tooth sort of thing. Maybe, yeah, we've even got some names for potential social media in the future. But let me just ask both of you, and obviously the genius room, um, you've heard of the metaverse, right? This is where Facebook formerly known as Facebook, now known as Meta, the Metaverse is going. Mr. Z yeah. has, has spent $10 billion, $10 billion so far, inventing this thing called the Metaverse. It's the new reality. We're all going to be walking around uh, looking at these headsets. I mean, guys, you've heard of this, right? So, <laughs> Bumping <in each> other. <laughs> how, 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 how does this make you feel? Do you think it's going to happen? And is there any potential for writers?
2: I think there's probably potential for writers but the the the, the, the metaverse itself uh, leaves me fairly cold um, it's like sort of ultimate gaming um, we've all got oh, I've got a real reality thank you very much it's okay for me I, I don't really I don't, I don't I don't really get I don't really get the point you know if I want to go and have a game of golf or go down a pub I'll go and do that I'll not go down a virtual golf course or go down a virtual oh. pub so it, it, it's an incredible technology mind Lord, you know when you think of it but do we, you know, do we need it? Uh, yeah, yeah, is life so terrible? Is, we have to is this a generational thing? I mean, do
0: you do you think? Do you think you know people less than the 25 are going to go? Yeah, this is great. I I just want to spend all my life in the metaverse.
3: I don't know if they'll say I want to do this, but they already are to an extent because you yeah, see people, right. and it tends to be young people. I don't mean only like the the. Like teenagers and 20 somethings, older people that. But literally, doing everything with the phone here. Um, I'm not making any judgments about that, but it's, it's everything and it informs it where you are. I'm going to find someone, I'm going to talk mm. to someone. I, you know, I have my earbuds in, I'm listening to music all the time, it shuts out the rest of the world. Eventually, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to have headsets and things with the augmented, you know, virtual reality going on. And, and that's already happening to a degree, but I think it's going to become more and more. Um, like normality for an awful lot of people. It's obviously going to depend to an extent on whether or not you can afford the technology. That's always the case. Um, And there's always a case of reality is still out there. So even if you're walking along (laughs) you know, completely buried in something, as soon as you walk into a lamppost, that's going to bring you back to Earth pretty quick. So, you know, but I think think there's certainly a sense that that that's there already and and it is increasingly drawing us in how
0: where that will go what and what will happen for writers, I don't know Sorry John it. We'll come so to you in a moment John, Is a bit of lag going on the metaverse yeah. idea is just scary, kids are already avoiding life which is really okay, so yeah, I intend for sure but I think it's awful Do you think it's awful, Johnny?
2: Yeah, I, I do, I, I just question the point of it really it, 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 it's, a, it's like enhanced gaming I suppose and fine, it might mm-hmm. be okay to go and sort of do do something amazing walk on mars or something like that or whatever you know facility it gives you but at the end of the day you're gonna to have to come back to reality you know so i think yeah. it's like a grumpy old get here but i, I you know and, and i'm in the sort of well, it's high tech new. i enjoy so, no i know i enjoy things like that but I, I really did i mean i've seen a couple of documentaries on it and a couple of sort of features on 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 arts programs and stuff like that and i go yeah but why? Mm-hmm why is my question at the end of it you know what what, you know and not unless there's some kind of sinister ulterior motives that everybody's running around with these headsets on them that we're being subliminally told about you know Joe Bloggs, Fish
0: Fingers or something
2: mm. like that. I, I, I don't really know what it is, but it, 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 I love high-tech, but this, I think, is a, high, a step of high-tech
0: too far for me. Yeah, so I, I mean, Pamela Jo said something good there, She just, as you've seen just on the screen. William Gibson wrote wrote about this back in the 1990s, actually. Yeah, that's 30 years ago and that's. Get, I guess, really, that's what we want from writers now, what's going to be happening for 30 years. Hence, please, when maybe the metaverse is working. Maybe it's not. Maybe Zuckerberg's $10 billion and all the rest is going to throw It's just going <laughs> to go to black hole.
3: Player One, I think, is a, a really good yeah. example of of um, a, a novel that envisages exactly that sort of thing happen. There's a whole other universe you can go into, mm. and people do, and people go to school in it, and all sorts of things. You know, mm. so it's already being imagined by by sci-fi writers.
0: It is. And maybe that's what we want from, from Matthew, just to take it a little bit further than just, you know, Twitter or Facebook in uh, in a few decades' time. Let's look at the numbers for you, Matthew. You've got a 65, actually. Not a great score, actually. Uh, one more submission to go today, and therefore one more opportunity to dethrone or potentially dethrone our potential monthly winner, which is Pete Sherrard, who you would have seen two weeks ago with the longest spring. People said lots of nice things about that maybe they're going to say lots of nice things about the next submission and here we go last of the day, last of the month Aleph Rising it's from Paul hello Paul, very good to have you along with us today, it's brilliant I always like it when our authors join us live it's great, nice short blurb there it's adult sci-fi slash thriller and it's the first solo punk novel ever set in Syria certainly is. ALF Rising explores privacy. Oh, just what were we talking about? Isn't that amazing? Privacy and identity in the face of modernization, automation and machine learning. From the perspective of a lifelong ethnic hyphenate, I like that expression, who actually works in the tech sector. So you know what you're talking about. Let's find out about you. I started my first novel in fifth grade, passing... Passing out newly finished pages to kids (coughs) on the school bus every morning. I love it. It's great publicity. You can see that in the press release already. Uh, I've already been um, buried in a fantasy or sci-fi book, but sadly those stories never featured a Syrian hero. Absolutely, of course they didn't know. Or even an Arab-coded society in a satisfying way. Absolutely right. I've had two short stories published in small presses. My dad is from Texas, and my mom is from Salamia, Syria. I have an MFA from CalArts, a few albums on Spotify, and over sixty thousand followers on TikTok. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Book talk, TikTok. It's um just ins- I'm not gonna press that button again. I want to, I'm not going <laughs> no. <laughs> Um So the thing is this the evil voice in my head, get behind me. Um, <laughs> so Publishers think TikTok is magic at the moment. A few years ago, they used to, the first question they would ask, actually, is how, how many Twitter followers do they have? It's a little bit naive, but at the moment, TikTok apparently is the medium du jour. If you've got, got 60,000 followers on TikTok, I, just, I, I would say you could probably get a book deal, actually. For, we don't need to, to actually see your submission if you've got 60,000 followers, um, where I discuss speculative fiction, Middle Eastern history, and the music of Southwest Asia and North Africa. I have a multi install book marketing plan. Great. On that platform, ready to go at any time. And I'm ready to go with this reading from Ali.
7: Aleph Rising by Paul, read by Alison. Vic brought up the bar bot's source code the moment he saw it pour his liquor. A face of chrome and gold LED flashed an emoji grin as the snifter slid across the bar top. The Arak's colour turned from clear to milky white as ice cubes catalyzed a chemical reaction, the sweet smell of licorice filling his nostrils. Mind-deafening music bowed the walls of the venue outwards in a steady pulse. "'Hey, Dusty,' he murmured, "'increased noise cancellation.'" His personal AI upped the counteractive resonances in his tragus implants and Vic dove in. Three years since he'd been in a crowd. Three years since a glass of good Arak he hadn't poured himself. And yet, it just so happened the pour was heavier than it should be. The glass was too full. So instead of enjoying his celebratory drink, he got lost in the code. Turned out drinking was his second favourite pastime. Vic knew Sammy's. He could walk to it from his flat. That's why he'd come to it in the first place. His probation in New Latakia was over, his risk assessment score finally beginning to fall, but not enough for him to take a transport. After all this time in exile, at last he had the wiggle room to go out and be social again, as long as it was on foot. The band reached the end of the song, but Vic didn't notice at all until the band leader held aloft a wildly flashing oud, an ancient lute like instrument that had been electronically modified almost beyond recognition and shouted into the mick, "Allah Yehamo, Hattam. May you rest in peace, old friend. An effects process sent the name of Vic's old co-worker echoing through the basement venue. The crowd cheered, in a way that made him suspect few had any idea who Hattam was. A melismatic solo erupted from the oud by the way of a dirge soaked in ethereal echo. Fog spewed. Laser lights flashed. All of this barely registered, a thin sheen of oil across the ocean of Vic's focus. There. Vic's eyes darted across scrolling text while haptics buzzed his fingertips. Some clever patron had hidden a merge to the bar's source as a comment, but in the wrong syntax. The system's automated tests had missed it, while the bar's robotic avatar, a well-articulated metallic humanoid, read the line as an override. In the system, the code base that ran the world, The fake comment was composed of if-else statements in shorthand, but human vernacular it read, "'If you're going to pour one finger of booze, might as well give him two.' A hack, then. Not a bug. Vic leaned back, clenching, then opening his fists. Not because he wanted a fight. That would be beyond stupid. A fight would raise his risk assessment again. He had been at 199 for three years. Today, for the first time, it had been reduced to 189. He could stand to go out and get a drink, but not get into fights. That would certainly raise his RA above the dreaded 200, and that meant exile. The new Dutarchian tier would shut down for him completely, save for a single train eastward, towards a sweltering farmland locals called the Palm Wastes. This monstrously flawed security feature had been part of the system since the restructure but it could easily tell when the humans that inhabited it got into physical altercation. That was the sort of blunt force enforcement at which the system excelled. If Vic got into a fight, his RA would shoot up well past 200, and it was the palm wastes for him. And God help any of those poor souls stuck in the sweltering desert with the Exile tag permanently attached to their personal tear. The reason Vic clenched and unclenched his fists was because he'd found a bug he couldn't report. A bug was a puzzle, and a puzzle exists to be solved. But his RA score didn't allow him to so much as flag it for someone else to fix. He stared at the single line, forcing himself to let it go. It was harmless, wasn't it? Just a bit of fun.
0: Okay, I've been quite a variety of scores on this, actually. Uh, it be interesting to see if that's reflected in the genius room. Let's take it from the top. Um, uh, apropos of what we we're previously saying, but actually it's still a very good comment. Snow Crash predates most metaverse stuff it does, actually. Written in 1992. Um, and Andy says, I thought Utopia was the metaverse years for some of us. Um, so, like the title... Um, generally maybe because I find the word rising really satisfying to read and say. It is actually rising. I bet it's one of those words if you do a little, um, uh, cloud, of you know, of, of, of title words. I bet that's one of the, uh, the top 10 or so. Um. And Pamela Joe, yeah, I think there are issues with this um, blurb, I'm afraid. And I've marked that low. Um, Pam and Pamela Joe reflects my thinking on that. I think the writer misunderstood the blurb idea. I think that's right. Great seminar on Latopia Colony. Cool title. There is a blurb seminar there, actually, which you can just go and look at. Um, interesting blurb, says James. Not sure I get the gist of the story. I think that's right. And he's unteasing. Lots of tricky words in quick succession detract from the flow. Deft, says Pamela Joe. Getting a true original voice. If this keeps up, maybe I'm hearing this century is william gibson lots of great ideas going on in this andy i'll just be careful we can keep up with them i love this hack says azuku too much tax as martin rg very very science fiction great world building and he says really great premise maybe a tiny bit too much world building info on azuku i love this i love this super into this bug it's gripping me did it grip you johnny
2: uh, yeah, it did. I, I found it very slick. I've written down "slick." I thought it was slightly wow. done. Wow! Um I I enjoyed. Um, you know, I didn't question much in it. There was one bit where he he talked about his RA score exceeding two hundred twice, which I thought he could probably, in the economy of seven hundred words, he could have ditched one of those perhaps. Yeah. But I didn't find I didn't find very much wrong with it at all. Okay. Um, I I thought also um, it's probably a, he was very sort of keen on on the tech side of things. Which has been pointed out. And I think, you know, we probably agonized a wee bit too much over why the bot had served him, you know, too much drink. We went into sort of rather fine detail on that one when, when it could have been sort of perhaps, you know, handled a, a bit quicker. But I, it, I, I find myself asking questions why is this guy, he's obviously on some kind of probation, some, you know, some uh, uh-huh. or. or or on, on he's a, the equivalent of a tag, I suppose, in, in, in modern society. So you immediately ask, what's he, been, what's he gone in for? You know, why? What's his crime? All these questions, which are definitely asked without actually asking the questions, which I thought, you know, in, in the craft was really very good. Um, yes. And I'd certainly, in, in the old um, in, in the old sort of terms, I'd certainly read on. Um, to me, it was the one which sat on the brief of, of sci-fi, probably the most, I suspect. Wow! You know, sci-fi, as, sci-fi, as I understand it, you know, or in, in my limited perception of sci-fi, I felt it had that kind of that kind of sheen to it. I, I really yes. enjoyed
0: it. Yeah. So Paul has admitted, he's admitted in public, that he did he did misunderstand the blurb. Yeah. So I think you get you might get a fair amount on that. Go on, go on, yeah. I,
2: I, put, I, I put I put I put I should put three for the blurb, I'll put four for some reason. So I can correct it if I you don't want. I really understand it. Well, I mean, I, I'm just pointing, I, I, I did <laughs> <hit> the wrong <roller laughs> number, that's all. Okay. <laughs> it was meant to
0: okay. be... I'm going to have to change that now you've said that. So this is, yeah, I don't like taking Mark's down, but there we go. So.
2: <sighs> only for only four. for the reasons that we said.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. So you gave uh, four out of five, and you wanted, you wanted to take that to a three, yeah? Yes. You got it. That is done, Kate.
3: Oh, I loved it. <laughs> oh, good.
0: Excellent. Um,
3: I, I thought, like John, I gave The Craft 100 because that was great, proper sci-fi genre love it I love all that tech stuff I mean Hmm. okay if if you're not into sci-fi then you might find that difficult but I do like sci-fi and I love those kind of details I was like yes yes this is this is what I want so I think of all today's submissions and they've been really good all of them that was the one that I'd be like really not only just turning the pages but turning them in a blur you know wanting to really get into that great world building also we were inside the protagonist I really felt that more perhaps than any of the others I really felt like we were inside that protagonist's head Um, and all these great little hints and clues about their background, their backstory, the problems there. Immediately we've got some stakes being raised there, some issues that they've got. I mean, that's all good stuff and you immediately want to find out how they're going to resolve that. Mm -hmm. You know, what is all this business about the coding of the drinks? How does that work? That's great. I mean, really pulled me in that. Yeah, we've talked about the blurb. Not a blurb. Doesn't tell me anything. So, Paul, what you need to do is wet our appetites basically you know you clearly know how to write great sci-fi just from those 700 old words um so now you just need your blurb to tell us why it's such a great story and why we're going to get into it um Very good. Uh, yeah uh, uh, nice things emoji grin that was nice i like that i also liked things like oud and the other more um arab type references exactly. in there yeah. Allah yeah. And so on. Yeah. i mean it's really nice actually to have that um in in there as a you know, as a, as a marker, I suppose, as cultural references and so on. Um, so, yeah, what can I say? I, I, I gave some low marks to say, for the blurb. Title was great, yeah. had no problem with that. But the craft, you know, fantastic. Well, right? if it carries on like that, yeah, i would be reading that, no problem. Love that.
0: Well, that's what Annie says. Annie says, I have a feeling we'll be seeing this in bookshops in a year or two. But Glenn says, I'm glad Kate struggled with the blurb. I was completely lost. <laughs> yeah, that's the, <laughs> the weak spot. Um, I, the only thing, I, I, everyone said everything in any case, actually pulled so you just need to basically just freeze frame it now and just read what uh, the junior stream is saying um i need it to be a little more compelling and i need i need that that i think you've got everything in place here you've got it got you know it's a jigsaw piece basically getting getting published and hopefully selling lots of books uh and you've got almost all the, the, the pieces in place here but the prose has got to be that you know just 10 20 degrees more compelling it's got to be polished. Um, People like me, agents and publishers judge you. Really, that's the whole point of pop-up submissions. They do judge you on first page, first two, three pages. If you hook us, we'll read a bit more. But, you know, the, the volume of submissions that that come in, it's like it's a tidal wave, it's a constant tidal wave. And you only have a few seconds, literally just a few seconds, to, to hook them. Um, and once you've done that with some extremely virtuoso pros, and I would say just work out what you're really good at, you know. Most writers have got one or two things they do really well, good tricks, basically. A lot of writing is about tricks. Um, And work, work that out and just put it right up front. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Whatever you're really good at, just bang it in straight up front and you will you will get a good reaction then you i oh no, you i think you'll get published let's see the numbers please
3: nicholas Cheatham from head of zeus like sci-fi doesn't he
0: he does <laughs> he absolutely does that's his speciality he's a great <laughs> publisher for that so you got a 67 there paul which is a good score but i think the the reason it's not a totally great score is i think that the the blurb let you down but let's see how the numbers look for this show uh, well, you can't, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty darn good show actually, who knows what you would have got if you'd done a, a first-class blurb, but you can always go and uh, look at that blurb seminar, please do. But actually, we do have a very clear winner, do we not? Oh yes we do. Congratulations Jonathan, what a great score, high concept. We like the idea, we really like the idea, we like your execution. Well done, congratulations, you are the show winner, but that doesn't actually quite affect anything in terms of the month monthly winner who is, and I only do this once a month. didn't you You did. But you gamely, bravely fought them off and you you are the the uh the submission of the month and you're going to go straight ahead of this um thank you paul thank you very much for the feedback hopefully it's been useful hopefully it's been entertaining we are in the entertainment business guys let's not take ourselves too seriously it's Pete shower historical fiction do you remember that it's march 1916 and it was almost word perfect actually as as a submission i think everybody liked that a lot our final chance now to look and gaze in awe and wonder and our wonderful guest, thank you Kate for stepping in the last minute, I think a lot of people, you know, know that you're yeah, welcome you, you, it's always fun, well you know you, 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 you're so, I mean you, without you pop up submissions really wouldn't be uh, what it is, uh, whatever it is and um, thank you for stepping in the last minute, thank you so much also for being you know, the person who coordinates along with Rachel our our guests And while I'm saying thank you, thank you Emily as well for doing all the, not doing all, but for coordinating. She is the mother narrator. She organizes the whole team of narrators and the submissions, which is fabulous. And Johnny. Enough said, really. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) that's the better. Yes, exactly, exactly. All right, so have we had fun today, guys. Oh, yes. Um, Yes, all right, shall we do it all again next week?
3: Yes, that's
0: All right, <laughs> take yes. care.
3: Hit
2: it.